I call it the fastest path to the cash. And it's mm-hmm. the easiest way. It's like, what can we change quickly in your office? It doesn't need a big expenditure. You know, you don't have to break the bank. What can we change and tweak in here and create you some results so you can get some momentum? And so usually that's the first thing I want to look for. And usually something always internally, always internally. You know, as a chiropractor, you probably you guys do too. I had shelves and shelves of files once upon a time, and then they became computer files of people that I've already met already diagnosed something, already had a relationship with, but I had no follow-up going on through it. So a lot of times it's like, hey, let's pull those out. Let's reinitiate that conversation. You know, what can we do? We missed something in there that made them not convert. Was it too much that I plugged on them at the same time? Was it too expensive? Um, In my industry, and I'm sure in yours, um, in chiropractic, we were so obsessed with trying to educate them on the value. So, you know, they'd come in and I'd have to teach them everything I knew about dentistry. Well, forget all that stuff. <laughs> I need to shut up and say, hey, I don't have the time to do this. I don't have the money to do this or I don't really understand. So that, that's yeah. what we broke it down to. So it wasn't they needed to be a dentist. I had to be a person that listens to their needs. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. You've got Sean and Lacey here. And just like each and every week, we have a very special guest. And today's guest fits right inside of the wheelhouse for you. Like She's going to be talking to all of you as service providers, all of you that tune in each and every week so that you can learn how to reach more people, make a bigger impact, and create the lifestyle that you deserve through marketing, sales, and mindset. Well, today we have a genuine expert with us. We're super excited um, because the journey that she has been on is very very similar to ours. Very similar to ours. And the things that she talks about are the topics are very similar. So we're super excited to dive in and uh, get to the nuts and bolts and see how she's helping service providers. One major difference, she is a dentist that's super cool, right? Like a dentist that built her practice and then is now sharing her gifts to other service providers, not just to dentists and helping them to build the business of their dreams. And so we're super excited to have with us Dr. Ginger Bratzel. Thank you so much, Ginger, for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. and glad to talk to everybody. Great day, isn't it? Yes. It's wonderful. We're, we're super excited to have you here and and dive into a little bit more of your story because most of our listeners out there know that Sean and I, were both chiropractors by profession. And much like yourself, we just fell in love with the business side of being able to build a business that helps you reach more people, make a bigger impact, but most importantly, live the lifestyle that they desire. And so that's how we ended up in this seat. But I'm just curious for you to kind of break down how you ended up in front of us today, going from Dr. Ginger, the dentist, to helping service providers. So share with the audience. Well, I think it's not that big of a difference because, you know, as a service provider, we were there to help more people. We think it's under patients is the category. And we find out through that journey, it's, you know, we can help other businesses. And I get the question often, are you sad you don't practice anymore? And I say, you know, I'm not because I, I, instead of helping as many patients as I could see a day, I can help thousands of patients across the globe 
because I'm working through other offices. So it just leveraged me in doing that. So it's not that big of a jump. I think it's just, we want to help people, service providers, and, and we just tried a different vessel. But, you know, all my life, I thought I wanted to be a dentist. I had a good dental experience as a kid. Um, you know, if you asked me at five-year-olds what, what I was going to be, it was a dentist. And I stayed on that track my whole life and fast laned it through. If I could do anything faster, get through faster, I did that. And so, you know, when I went to the day came, it's like, hey, you're done. Um, you're going to be graduating soon. What do you want to do? I knew all along I was going to buy a practice. I knew where I was going to buy it. I knew what kind of practice it was going to be. And so when it came um, time, I was in my final um, semester of dental school. I bought a dental practice um, in the area I wanted to be. I left the old dentist there and told him, you know, run the practice. I'll be there in a little bit. And when I bought this practice, um, I, I had full disclosure. I knew everything going into it. It was a horrible business, but I was stupid. And I'm going to say the word. I was foolish in thinking because I thought I was just going to go in there with my magical new dental degree and I had all these new shiny instruments and this new degree with these initials after my name. And it was just because if it was him, I'd get him out of the way and everything would be perfect. And so when we came, when I got done with dental school and I went in there and I, he left and I, nothing changed. The numbers were the same. The business was just as bad. And so I was really vested in my, my area, my um, career and everything I want to do for my patients. And so I went about building this business as hard as I could, but I did it the wrong way. And I was looking after different equipment and new procedures and getting more initials after my name. And all I did is jacked up my overhead and I didn't make business any more profitable because they out in the dental industry. And I'm sure you had the similar situation. We're telling you, this is what you need to do. You just, you build it and they will come and it just didn't happen. And so I struggled along for several years, you know, seven years, in fact, because they said you have to pay your dues before you can be profitable. And that's just not the way business is. And so when I, when I got to that seventh year and I really thought things would just magically change again, I had, I had to really think about my business differently. And so I didn't put the emphasis on worrying about the technology is what I needed to do to get people in there and started looking at other businesses, not, not other dental practices or other healthcare businesses, but businesses that were successful and, you know, businesses that were able to serve people and people really wanted to be there. And so I looked at them and I'm like, you know what, they're talking to people differently. Um, they're not pushing the technology. They're talking about how they can transform their lives. And so when I started changing how I talked to people in my marketing materials, but in person, how we ran the office, how we just made it a lot more friendly for them, our consumer, I was able to serve more people. And so where I had struggled for years, things took off really, really quickly because we were finally all on the same page. And I didn't understand or appreciate it enough until I got a phone call one day from my accountant who never called me and said he needed to talk to me because there was a problem. And so my, my team member came and got me and I went to my office and I shut the door just really anticipating the worst. And he said, you know what, we got a problem I need your QuickBooks and there's too much money in there. So I think somebody mistakenly entered um, something, but I can't find the mistake. That's why I need to talk to you because it's not just one day where, you know, where they put too many zeros on something. It's consistent. So you need to show me what's going on. And I said, I laughed. I said, no, it's, we're just doing things differently. We're really doing a lot better. And so he was excited that 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 was a possibility. And he's like, could you share this? Is this something unique to you? And I'm like, no. He said, can you teach other people how to do that? And that's how I developed my first clients. Is going around helping people who were having issues 
to overcome those and just kind of sharing that framework and what they were doing so they could plug and chug in their business. What were some of the main influences? You mentioned that you looked outside of even your own profession. Mm -hmm. um, what were some of the things that you were looking at and who or what were some of the influences that were the catalyst for this big shift? Well, for me, you know, uh, finding direct response, copywriting and marketing was a big thing. You know, before you push a brand, you know, the, here's my logo, my name, my initial, my white Coke. You know, the, I, I wanted to be able to scientifically, like if I try, treated a patient, I wanted a certain outcome. And so I treated my business the same way. If I did something, I wanted to see a certain outcome from that. I wanted to see a certain result from it. So, you know, I didn't know what it was called at the time, but it was direct response marketing. It's like, if I put a piece out there, I should get a predictable result. I should be able to test it and see if it really resonated with people. If we change something in our office, there should be a number that we can track that we actually got an outcome out of that too. And so, you know, my early mentors was like Dan Kennedy and Bill Glazier and just um, really diving into all kinds of stuff. They were talking a different language. And so when they started training me to look at things like, you know, the example of um, Domino's pizza, you know, what did they promise you? It was hot, fresh pizza in 30 minutes. They didn't say it was good. They said it was hot and fresh. And so, you know, those messaging message, uh, marketing messages that they were putting out, my patients were telling me all along what they wanted, but I wasn't listening to them. I took everything. I was trained to change it. Probably you guys as uh, chiropractors, you know, they said my back hurts. You would change it into a diagnosis and use all this uh, jargon. I took everything I learned in dental school and kind of forgot that other than what the services is. And just if they said, Hey, my tooth is ugly. I'd go back. Hey, your tooth is ugly. You want, I see that you want to change that. It's like, are you confident with your smile? Um, do are your, um, loose fitting dentures bothering you? All these things. I just reverbed what they were saying. Our marketing message really changed on that. And so, um, that's where things started turning around. It's like, I, I heard them for the first time, even though I really was speaking their language. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because as service providers, you know, when we go through school, we get taught our skill set, And then when we come out and we have our own business, oftentimes we get stuck in that rut of creating a business that's service centric around the very thing that we do instead of making it customer centric. And right. I love what you're talking about because what you're saying is, is you started to look through, look at things through the eyes of your customer and be able to speak to them in their language. And you know, we teach those same concepts. So I love what you're talking about. Um, so tell us a little bit more how you help clients identify, you know, who they're going after and what that individual is looking for. Give us some tips. Well, when somebody's seeking me out, there's usually the number one complaint they come that's like, I need new patients. I need new clients. And so that's great. Let's look at that. So we start looking at their whole business and the whole system. And I will look at their numbers. I will look at, you know, how many calls they're getting, how many uh, appointments they're making a day, how many proposals they're making. And along there, there's a whole patient journey, or we call it the client journey, as they go through that experience. And, you know, it might have seemed like that first thing is what they wanted, but what they really needed, they have an internal problem. So mm -hmm. if if they're not getting enough referrals, then I know people are not satisfied with what's going on internally. How can we resolve that? Um, you know, we I 
they say they need more marketing. I said, well, if I brought you a thousand people today, you can't handle them because your team's not set up to do that. So, you know, all these obstacles that we put in our place, um, we've got to overcome those because we need it to be as seamless as possible. So sometimes what we think is the problem is not always the problem. And so we've, once we identify where it's broken down. So when a client, a client comes into me, I call it the fastest path to the cash. And that's mm -hmm. the easiest way is like, what can we change quickly in your office? It doesn't need a big expenditure. You know, you don't have to break the bank. What can we change and tweak in here and create you some results so you can get some momentum? And so usually that's the first thing I want to look for. And usually something always internally, always internally. You know, as a chiropractor, you probably you guys do too. I had shelves and shelves of files once upon a time, and then they became computer files of people that I've already met already diagnosed something, already had a relationship with, but I had no follow-up going on through it. So a lot of times it's like, hey, let's pull those out. Let's reinitiate that conversation. You know, what can we do? We missed something in there that made them not convert. Was it too much that I plugged on them at the same time? Was it too expensive? Um, in my industry, and I'm sure in yours, um, in chiropractic, we were so obsessed with trying to educate them on the value. So, you know, they'd come in and I'd have to teach them everything I knew about dentistry. Well, forget all that stuff. <laughs> I need to shut up and say, hey, I don't have the time to do this. I don't have the money to do this or I don't really understand. So that that's yeah. what we broke it down to. So it wasn't they needed to be a dentist. I had to be a person that listens to their needs. I was going to say, that's so funny because I call it student syndrome. It's like one of those things, like as soon as you get out of school, you feel like you have to unload everything you learned, you know, over the course of seven years on this poor person sitting in front of you that's just looking for a solution. And you're right. It's the same in our industry. We feel like we have to educate people into making a decision to work with us instead of just telling them, hey, I'm the best fit for you and I've got the, the solution that you're looking for. So I love what you said there. Well, I'll let you queue up the next question, but I also just want to I'll have James throw in uh, in the show notes, you know, a recognition for uh, uh, earlier Ginger mentioned uh, Dan Kennedy, yeah. uh, GKIC. They, I don't know what they did. They bought, did they buy Russell Brunson? No, I think Russell, no, Russell Brunson bought, bought them. So they're no BS. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. That, all the great people that are involved there. I recently saw they had our, our dear friend Jay Abraham on something with Dan as well. And so, uh, you know, he's a tremendous influence to anybody who's doing anything of significance in marketing, marketing. I think, yeah. yes. and Jay Abraham. Um, and if you don't know who they are and you're just hearing that, please don't uh, don't, don't take that as a historical reference from Ginger. Yep, they're you need very to, active still. Yeah, get, on, <laughs> get on, online and uh, learn more about um, these individuals, Dan Kennedy and everything in the direct response world. One of the things that you talked about, too, um, you know, we, when you look at people that need new clients, one of the things that we find, um, and you mentioned your work with direct response, is that people don't really manage leads. That's one of the mm -hmm. reasons why they struggle yeah. with new clients is they have no leads. And before any client is a new client, they were really? a lead before that. Um, what are some uh, some thoughts or strategies on how uh, people, especially in, in the service world, who are so focused only on that conversion of new clients, how can we get them to shift and understand the importance and the value of a lead? Well, you know, some I, I explain it. There's two conversions. You've got to convert them to give you a call. That's all you're asking for is to give you a call, click your website, reach out to you, make that connection. That's that's the purpose of your marketing. It's not to, to become a client or patient. It's just to get them to take that first step. And so if your systems are not intact, 
you're not going to make that conversion. You know, when I got done with dental school, and a lot of people don't understand this in the general world, but you guys come from a healthcare background, just because you graduated from your chosen profession does not make you qualified or allow you to go off and, and run that business. And so you have to go through and get licensing exams and all and your national boards and all those things. So when I finished dental school and I owned this practice, I couldn't even see patients in that practice. So for a short period of time, I worked in a hardware store just to pass the time and um, bring in some income because I hadn't even worked in a long time. So, you know, they all laugh because my name was Dr. Ginger Bratzel, but I was running the front cash register at this hardware store. And I tell the story because it's relevant to what most people think about in businesses um, or miss in businesses. So they put me on this hardware store. Um, they told me, here's the cash register. I had been working there all of three minutes and I'm not exaggerating. It, and the phone rings and they say, answer the phone. I didn't even know the name of the store. So I, I pick up the phone, I say, hello, and I won't say it, but I looked on the wall and I said, I said, blank, blank, building supply. And um, can I help you? And the guy said, who is this? And I told him who it was. He says, how long have you worked there? And I said, well, honestly, three minutes. Well, it was the owner of the company. They didn't even train me how to answer the phone. I was their first face of that business. I was the first point of contact and they didn't even take the time to train me and just turn me loose. So in a lot of businesses, that's a lot of what they're thinking. It's a low man on the totem pole. Here, I'm just going to let you handle that and answer the phone. And it's your most expensive mistake because they're not going to be able to convert them because they didn't even take the time to train them or retrain them. Mm. I'm a, a very big fan of systems and infrastructure. And I like what you said before, because you said, even if we created all of these marketing strategies and got you a thousand new patients tomorrow, most of the time your business is not equipped to handle it. Right. And so right. training is a, a very big thing, but I know marketing is your thing that you teach people. So I want to go back to focusing on that because we're big believers that marketing creates awareness. So in order to get them to this opportunity where you can convert them on the phone, convert them on your website, um, you know, make them have some sort of action that they take, we've got to create that awareness. So how much time like should a business owner dedicate to this, especially if they don't know the first thing about marketing? Because I'm sure you hear that all the time. I don't even right. know where to well, you know, I first of all, you have to think of marketing is not something you do to somebody. It's not sleazy. It's not manipulation. It's something you do for them. They they have this thought. They need you. They just don't know you're there and you can solve their problems. And mm -hmm. they might not even be aware of it. It's, it's such a subconscious level. And so it's inviting that conversation with them to explore this and go through and making this happen. So, you know, marketing is not separate time from the office. It's all the time. Everything you do in your office is marketing. Um, I'll get the conversation. How much should I spend on marketing? How much time should I spend on marketing? Well, literally, it should be everything. Sales and marketing go together. So that phone call, you know, how you escort them down the hall, you know, the way you portray yourself, the way your team is cohesive, all those things are part of your marketing plan. But you know, like I find for most uh, service-based providers and you know, healthcare providers, they'll work a four day and then they'll take one day off. That's a real common model. And I said, well, then dedicate at least half a day a week to 
all the things that you would want to do. So that's my marketing time. That's meeting with my marketing assistant. Um, this is big plans. We're going to make a marketing calendar for this month, this quarter, and for this year for our outcomes. We have that dedicated time because I find often when you, you get so busy working in the business, you forget to work on the business. Michael Gerber says that all the time. And so if you have that dedicated marketing time, you're going to make the time to make it happen. And so I use that to me, you know, it doesn't mean I have to be doing it. Someone else, the team else can be doing the actual thing. But as the leader of the business, I'm the captain of the ship. And, you know, I know my team members want to help me, but they all have this oar going and they're all going in a different direction. I've got to be the one that says stroke, stroke, stroke. And I'm pointing them in the direction and, and what we're going to outcome we're trying to accomplish. What do you say to people that maybe don't have you or talking about, you know, various people that would be, you know, rowing the boat? What if it's just the practitioner or just the business owner? What do you say to them? How do they juggle all of these responsibilities? I know you mentioned Michael Gerber maybe wearing the different hats, but what, what's your advice for somebody that hasn't quite reached that level to build their team? And I also want to ask you another just a second part to that question. When I reach that level to build my team, especially so we've been talking a lot about the healthcare providers, usually like if you're in the healthcare space, you've been kind of convinced that the first hire should be this front desk person, right? Yeah. Gonna, you know, to, to transact. What what do you say? Was that is that is that your advice on the first hire for somebody as well? Well, you know, when it comes to marketing per se, I you have a marketing person in there. You might not even know it. It's, so it's not an extra hire. Usually it might be an office manager. Um, you know, and for a lot of people, it's assistant, a key assistant is just really good at details and, and does things on the back end. You know, that person, all of a sudden I'm going to have them doing two roles for a little while. Um, as we do it, you know, they're not seeing patients at that time. We're going to spend that half day. We're going to sit down and talk about it and see some of the stuff we're going to delegate out. We're going to use resources. We're going to pay for services to do that. But this is goes back to um, being a um, when I grew up, there was all these variety shows going on and they had these plate spinners on. And so you saw this guy and he's got a little pole and he gets a plate on it and he spins it. And he gets it going. And, you know, for for a lot of businesses, when you're at that point, that's that first plate. And so whenever I'm, even if I'm brand new doing it, the first time I did it, we're documenting how we did it. So I can train somebody and hand that roll off to them later. And we've got that first plate going. That's all you need is get that one going. And that first plate's the hardest. But then over here, I can get a second plate going. And so before you know it, once you're comfortable and you have those systems in place, you can have four or five plates going at the same time and make it easy Um long as you have that system going. I think it's important to have it all documented. And the way I document it, like I said, I did it. And we just copied everything we did. And so we could hand it off to the next person and be able to do that. So I, I was just thinking as you were talking, I, I love talking about team and systems, but I got to ask when it comes to marketing, we're just going to take a little turn here. Um, you said earlier that you really learned a lot from looking outside of your profession and seeing what other marketing experts were doing and how that made them successful. So what kind of marketing strategies have you seen people in the dental uh, profession actually do that were outside of the box? It may have been a lot of fun or you didn't think was going to work and it was like a home run. Give us a couple of those kinds of stories. Well, I think for a lot of people, if, first healthcare providers, you have to, they think you have to be um, distinguished and professional at all times. And so you, personal 
and professional are two different things. Um, if you don't walk around your house wearing a white coat all the day, all the time, that's not the kind of thing. <laughs> so you, so just put that out of your head, you know? Um, so it's, it's about uh, things that make you happy and makes your people happy. So I can tell you for us, it was a lot of community involvement things. That's an opportunity. Um, you know, we had a uh, patient appreciation events where we were able to invite people to do things. Um, we can do big scale things, little scale things. I think one of the simplest things of most businesses, any service-based business, I had a board of directors. And so this board of directors were just, you know, eight to 10 of my favorite patients. And I can't, um, at the time, couldn't tell you why they were so great, but I just like, gosh, darn it. When I saw their name on the schedule, it got me so excited. And I, and if they sent me somebody, I knew they were going to be great. So I, I asked them, would you please be my board of director? And what they were was a sounding board for me to run things off of. And, um, but just also to thank them. So if I had anything new in the office, I invited them after hours. We have a little uh, cocktail hour and I talk about it. Um, I would take them out to dinner twice a year and just sit down and shut up and listen to them what they thought about my office and things that they recommend. And they were very forthcoming. And so those things were really easy to get out there. I was not afraid to do wild things. Um, you know, I, I, I did things that probably most dentists won't do. And so if I looked at most uh, uh, professionals, uh, I find that they're just too strict and too uh, um, restrictive in their thinking. Um, you know, I, we did things like we had themes of the month where we had certain things going on in our office. We did referral contests. Um, we did um, hostage notes. I, that was one of my most fun things. Um, the team would send out hostage notes, had me tied up in the office, how they told me I had to do something. I had to make this available and they were going to keep me tied up until I did it. And we had a lot of fun with that. And so a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. So, I mean, Make your marketing match your audience. Um, don't go above them. Um, find out who your best customers are. Cater to them. For me, in my profession, I had ranchers. That's what I found out out of that eight to 10 was ranchers. They didn't have insurance. They, if they came to town, they wanted to be there the whole day. They wanted to pay in cash. Uh, they mm -hmm. sent me somebody. They were just the sweetest gosh darn people in the world. And I said, why am I trying to fight with people for insurance policies when I have this whole group over here that just treated me really well? So I was everywhere the ranchers were. If they wanted me at the county fair, I'd be at the county fair. I made sure I had horse trailer parking because when they came to town, they were doing more than one thing. Um, I just accommodated them because they were my favorite people. And if I hadn't sat down and made that list of eight to 10, I wouldn't have spent all the time to figure out, hey, this is counterintuitive to what most people were trying to attract. Mm -hmm. Love it. Lots of great stuff. Lots of uh, key key words in there that I love that you're, you're getting in there. I mean, the right. board of directors. I thought you were going to say that we, yeah, we, board we of, tell board people board do that all the time. I love that yeah. you did that. Um, love that. Um, counterintuitive advice. Love that. You know what I love too? <laughs> like, why would you take this gosh darn insurance? Um, the insurance doesn't have the uh, patient or the client's best interest in mind. So I love that just organically. Yeah. That's how it worked out for you. I think that that might have been a key reason for your huge success yeah. because you weren't working for Blue Cross Blue Shield or whatever <laughs> else it was that <laughs> was, was dictating the care. Um, I, I want to make sure because this is one of the important things. Like so, so, so often, just at the very end, you just like have this take this throwaway. Like here's how you find Ginger. Ginger Bratzel. G-I-N-G, well, here's the website, gingerbratzel.com, G-I-N-G-E-R-B-R-A-T-Z-E-L.com. 
That's where you can find all, all kinds of ginger. information about Ginger. That's how you can connect with her. That's how you can find out how you can do more work with her. And you also have a resource that I want to I want to dive into and, and mention because you were talking about your ideal client, and then you found out that they were all ranchers. The worst thing in the world when we're talking to service providers, especially if you really believe in the service that you provide. So like if you're a dentist and you're like, oh my gosh, dentistry is so great. And then we say, who's your ideal client? It would be common to hear anybody with everybody. Yes. Yeah. Everybody From with two teeth. to 92, they tell me that. And I'm like, that's too broad. Two to 92. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So how, and you don't have teeth usually around 92, yeah, that's so that's true. that works out. <laughs> Give us some tips. What do you say to people who are still in the anybody with teeth from 2 to 92 phase? Um, how can we begin to dil distill that down so that these people get to actually work with the people with whom they do their best work? Well, again, it comes back to looking what is already in right under your nose. And most people forget that part. It's it's your existing customers and clients. And when I went through and built that list of my eight favorite, my 10 favorite, and I looked for all those commonalities. And then that was really easy for me because I knew how to talk to them because they have their own vernacular. They have their own mm -hmm. dialect. They have their own tone. And that's why we resonated. I could joke with them. They, I knew their personality. I, I knew what they could take. So I wasn't worried about wearing a white coat around them because they didn't care. And so I had all that um, differentiated and made my life a lot easier. So I, I have a resource. If you go over to my website, gingerbratzel.com um, slash standout, how to stand out and find your ideal clients. Um, I go through that exercise, like exactly what we did 20, 30 years ago, where I sat down and I was like, who should I be marketing to? How can I... I, I narrow in. So I didn't try to market to everybody in my town. I didn't try to go after every insurance. I looked at those people that really served me. And a lot of people get concerned like, well, you know, that's too small of a crowd. Well, I could do two of those little niches and I can have two different marketing messages to them in two different separate places. So that just helps me narrow it down. So that's what I gave that actual resource that I use and still use with my clients to stand out. And so you can reach over to my page at gingerbratzel.com slash standout and I'll give it to you. But I think that's where you start is what's good in your life and trying to work from there. And then you can expand out from there. Yeah, that's a great concept, too. And I think what's so important about what you're talking about is once you figure out your ideal client, like you said, then you can begin to go where they hang out. You can begin to go actually and find them. And that seems to be the next step. You said you fell in love with these ranchers and you knew you did your best work with them. And then you would go show up where they were. And so any other tips, like once I figure out my eight to 10 and I see all the commonalities, what do I do next to begin to attract more of them in my world? Well, I think again, it's understanding how they speak. So you know, like forums are fantastic. When we I did this research, we had to go out and call people and ask them. I can go get a Facebook group of ranchers right now if I wanted to and just hang out there in my area. I can see how they're talking. I can see what they're interested in. I can find out things, it, what they like, but also what they don't like. So, you know, that's mm -hmm. some of the research we do with our clients. We'll go in there and find uh, a niche that's specific. And I'll ask, have somebody ask the question, hey, what do you not like about your dentist? And we mm -hmm. sit down and just let it go. Because if you build a business that solves all those problems for them, you're, you're the person to go to. Yeah. Hey, one last question for you, Ginger, that I'm not related to this line of thinking. Um, but I know that a lot of people, well, a lot of people are, are, are always struggle with this. And you've uh, successfully navigated these waters. Um, 
any, any, any thoughts or tips on people that are in their practice? They have dreams of not being in their practice, maybe finding a way that they could have passive income or maybe dedicating themselves to consulting yeah. or doing something else, online courses, et cetera. But literally they are shackled to their business because they provide a service and all of our viewers mm -hmm. and listeners are service providers. And that's one of the dangers, right? Because you become so right. good are coming to see Ginger mm -hmm. and not just to see whoever else I put in my place. What are some tips on getting out of that? And how did you successfully navigate that? Well, for me, it was, was the, the other gift, being able to share this information for them. So that, that was just a natural thing. If you ask me, is that my goal? No, it was just very natural because that was what I was really good at. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of passive other income things. You know, I dabble in real estate. Again, it was something that interested me. Um, so we have properties through that. Um, but here's the, you know, I got to the point where when I left my business, I was, I was having health issues and I was like, how am I going to continue to do this for 20 years? And so if your business relies on you just being there, you've painted yourself in the corner, you know, go back to our friend, Dan Kennedy. He says the worst number in the world is one, having one key employee, one key thing that you do, or you being the one that supports everybody. I, I literally was having an appendicitis at my office one time. I didn't know it. I was really, really sick. And I was trying to finish a root canal because I was there to take care of the patients. I was there to take care of my team and I didn't want anyone to be inconvenienced. That's not where you want to be. So, you know, it's, it's part of your master plan. Even if you are a service provider, you've got to have other people that can support you. You look for other ways um, to bring in income of, uh, uh, other service providers that might be below you, like in dentistry, we have dental hygienists, you know, if you're a physician, nurse practitioners that you can bring in, you've got to not be the sole thing because you just lose value and you lose your life. Absolutely love that. Super great advice because I know so many people, when you first get in, you're super fired up. You're going to do this forever. forever. You're going to change the world. You're like, maybe I'm not going to do this. And, and hopefully, wherever you are on that spectrum, if you're still in the change the world phase, you need Ginger in your life. Super happy too. You know, we we you know being in our field, um, you know, we we super relate to a lot of the constructs yeah. in the dentistry world. And you know, working with Glenn Vo over at Nifty Thrifty Dentist, Paul Bass over in the folks at Fortune Management. Super happy to connect with you, Ginger, too, and add you to the list of these super great dentists that are helping other service providers and business people to expand their reach. And, and we're very appreciative for what you are offering the world through the services that you provide. I want to remind everybody, www.gingerbratzel.com forward slash standout. That is the source of a free guide that you can download, access, um, and, and really hone in on your ideal client so that you can begin to fine tune your marketing. You can start, you could stop shotgun marketing and start yes. being precise with your marketing efforts to reach the people with whom you do your best work. Those people that don't necessarily want you to take insurance or right. don't have insurance, that want to pay cash, that come on time or whatever all of the qualities <laughs> are that you're trying to attract into your business. Ginger, thank you so much. You're an absolute gem and a gift to the entire world. Lacey and I thank you so much for being on None of Your Business with us. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thank you. All right, folks, that's it for today. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, tell your friends about us so that your friends, they can also reach more people, make a bigger impact and create the lifestyle that they deserve. Oh,